0: I could remember Walsh lying down in the middle of the floor, and he just started rumbling on and on about Miami. Oh, they have such a great offense. Oh, my God. How are we going to stop them? And, jeez, and their defense and the killer bees. Jeez. How are we going to be able to get a first down or even a yard? And he just wanted to light that fire before we came out of the locker room. And I can remember he turned and he looked at me and he just said, God, don't you just want to break the wall and just go kick their ass right now? <laughs> yeah, I think that's exactly how all 49ers fans feel right about now. Uh, that audio is from the NFL talking about Super Bowl 19, 49ers and the Dolphins. Of course, 49ers are going up against a young, hot quarterback future of the NFL and Dan Marino. Um, a lot of people were saying that there's no way they can keep up with that high-powered offense. Anthony, we are almost there. We are two days away when we're recording this right now. Um, thanks for tuning in, guys. Another episode of the Red and Gold Standard podcast. I'm extremely excited. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at RGS Pod. You can follow me at Zach Hernan. As always, I'm joined by my co-host Anthony Perry. Anthony, how you doing?
1: what's going on guys what's going on faithful It is your boy perry back with another edition of the red and gold standard podcast let's get right into it man follow me on twitter perry underscore 49ers that's p-e-r-r-y underscore 49ers the super bowl is here baby let's break it down
0: yeah there's so much to get into um and it's gonna be a hell of a weekend man no matter what happens it was a hard-fought season, and I'm extremely proud of this team for overcoming whatever, you know, um, goals people had put or predicted seasons people had put at the beginning of the year. So it's just going to be a hell of a game on Sunday, that's for sure. Um, Anthony, without wasting any time, let's go ahead and get right into this. Uh, you know, the, the the game opened up. I think at one one and a half points, it currently stands. PSPN at one and a half points, Chiefs um, are favored. All we've been hearing, it seems like, for the last two weeks is, you know, the 49ers are the better team, but Mayhomes is the better player, and for some reason that seems to outweigh uh, the the team being better as a whole. What do you think about that? Do you think that's kind of, you know, BS and how the players feel about that? Do you think, you know, they they, they hear the talk too?
1: Yeah, I mean, when you're an NFL player like that, there's no doubt in my mind to hear about you know, those kind of conversations at all. And if I was an NFL player too, personally, I think I'd be like, wow, we're one and a half point underdogs. I'd be all up like, man, we're underdogs to begin with. But I mean, it is what it is. You know, Vegas does what it does. Guys like Warren Sharp and those, uh, gambling analysts, if you will, they really break this stuff down. And if they believe it should be one and a half, then so be it. Let it be one and a half. It you know, it doesn't feel like one and a half though. I really think it feels like an even game, a push, if you will, because both teams are just, there's not balanced, but I mean, they go head to head with each other and there's a lot of, a lot of positives and negatives for each team. But I mean, what can you expect though? You know, everyone's been riding the Chiefs and Mahomes all season talking about how this is supposed to be Andy Reid's year. And yet all season, it's felt like The Niners have been slept on, even when they went thirteen and three, even when they beat the Saints, they beat the Rams the second time, they beat the Seahawks, the Vikings, the Packers. It still feels like the Niners have been slept on entirely. So, I, I would just say let them think what they want to think, man. Because there's a lot more to it than just the Niners have been lucky or the Niners have a good coaching staff. It's the entire team that's been working out as a whole, you know.
0: Yeah, I think that you know that's a great point you brought up that it's the whole team. Um, it seems like with the Kansas City Chiefs, it's almost like you could pick individual players that are, you know, extremely talented, elite level players. But with the 49ers, it's almost like the way that they play and the way that their, their system runs is that they work as a whole. It's an entire unit. So you can't really stop one guy, you stop the whole team. Um, you know, you cut one head off, three more are going to grow. So it's really, really tough to defend. And. I think it's just funny that you know you said that this team's been slept on. It almost reminds me of a couple of years ago when uh you know the Nick Foles led Eagles went in and got the job done against the the Patriots. They really really embraced that underdog, you know, title and mentality. And I'm sure you remember they had those German Shepherd dog masks that they were they put on and they were kind of embracing it. And it kind of reminds me of that and the way that this 49ers team They've really, really embraced being slept on. You know, Richard Sermon said pretty early on, if you've, you know, doubted us and predicted us to go 13 and, or 3 and 13, excuse me, stick with that because we want you to feel dumb at the end of the season. And they made a lot of people look dumb. Now, getting into this prediction, um, and, and excuse me, not the prediction, the, the line and how the media has been talking about is, the thing that I don't really understand is, is if you had two teams right and one team team A averages more points per game than team B and team A's defense gives up half the points that team B's defense gives up how is team B still favored can you work that out for me because i don't really get it
1: i think you know a lot of people overlook stats and i think sometimes we do too But when you break down games like us when we really look into stats and obviously other people do too especially Niners fans and other Niners analysts the story and the stats speak otherwise and I think a lot of it that goes into this kind of thing is recency bias you look at Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid man they came back from down 24 nothing against the Texans then they came back from a 10-point deficit twice if you will against the Titans and yet here we are now you know Mahomes is The Chiefs is savior, and I mean, he's a great quarterback, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to underlook that, if you will, but again, it's a lot of recency bias when it comes into this quarterback who's performing well, who's exceeding expectations, even the expectations that he set, and yet... They just ride him. Like, like I don't know. I think it's really weird. Again, I can't stress it enough that I think it's a recency bias because you have a quarterback that performs so well going up against another quarterback who really hasn't been proven, I guess, or been tested in the playoffs. So when you see that happen, and some people look at Garoppolo's backstory for this season as he can throw an interception, he'll fumble the ball, he'll turn it over, and you put that up against someone like Mahomes who hardly turns the ball over much – it creates this kind of storyline and narrative where it's like, okay, they clearly have the better quarterback. That means they're the better team. And I think that happens all the time. And it's, it's the NFL, dude. There's teams that win games that they're not supposed to win, and there's teams that lose games they're not supposed to lose. So it goes hand-in-hand, hand, and I think this game is a really good example of that, especially with the way the, uh, the media has been portraying that kind of narrative, if you will.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, definitely recency bias, like you said. And it's almost like you know when you get that new flashy toy, and that's all you can play with, even though you have better toys, uh, you know, just more fun toys. It's like this one's brand new, it's hot, and you you want to you know stick with it, and it gets all the attention. I think that's exactly what Patrick Mahomes is. Is that he's the new face of the NFL? You could argue him and Lamar Jackson. Um, you know he was last year's MVP. He likely would have been just up there in, in contention for it this year if he wasn't injured. So it really comes down to, I think, that. And they're the the hot, flashy team, extremely quick. Um, you could argue it's what the NFL is trying to get, you know, the league to be like um, and get more viewers with that formula. But I just don't think that it matches up well against the 49ers team, which is a more physical, uh, ground-and-pound, get-in-your-face sort of team. And, you know, when it's finesse versus physicality, physicality usually wins, you know, 99% of the time. So I think that the media is definitely, you know, it's funny because part of me, well, as I'm watching it, I, I, I know us and the Nothing Beniners guys, we all kind of made an a, a, a agreement, essentially, to just stay away from talk shows, morning radio shows, whatever it may be, because it was just going to be full of BS this last two weeks. And I got to admit, I kind of gave in and I watched it as I got ready in the morning for work. And part of me would just be like, do you really believe this or are you just saying this because you need to drum up the game to be a really good game because it is the Super Bowl. It's supposed to be the best game of the year, although that often doesn't play out that way. It needs to be hyped up that way for to get the viewers, you know, but man, it's just like it's some of the stuff they say is just mind boggling. And it seems like. Unless Jimmy Garoppolo comes out and throws for 500 yards and 10 touchdowns, he's never going to, you know, not be like, uh, be able to, people aren't going to forget that he only had eight passes in the Packers game, even though he didn't need to pass the ball at all in order to win. So it was just, you know, it's been frustrating, but it's all going to come out on Sunday and the better team will win. That's for sure. Um, What did you think of, or excuse me, what do you think of Kyle Shanahan's mindset going into Sunday you know, especially after his infamous 28-3, to you know, he, he gave up that lead, obviously, to the Patriots. The Falcons did not win that game. He was the offensive coordinator in that game for Atlanta. How do you think he's going into this game? Do you think if he happened to get up on some sort of lead, there's no way in hell he lets his foot off the gas?
1: So I was listening to the Around the NFL podcast today. And one thing that they said that Cal Shanahan said when he was asked about it or asked about leads, if you will, is he said that one thing he learned about that 28-3 to lead is that no lead is ever big enough. And I thought that was really telling, and the guys on the podcast did too. And all I'm going to say is that if Shanahan is saying that, and the Niners do go up by 10 or 17 or even 20, I don't think he stops scoring. I don't. And it's not to say that he's being disrespectful or that he's trying to... I, I don't know. You know one of those things where, like, in basketball you don't take the last shot when the game's winding down because the game's over and you just – don't run up the score like that. Well, this is one of those games where if Kyle Shanahan has the chance to run up the score, whether we think or he thinks he needs to or not, he's going to do it. And you never know what's going to happen with Mahomes. Even if they've played weak pass defenses like the Titans and Texans, the Chiefs have proved they can come back, and you can't overlook that. So if Shanahan wants to put up 30 in the first half and then put up 40 in the second half, do it. I, you know, I have no problem with it at all. Look, again, you don't overlook a team like the Chiefs that can come back from almost anything. And if anyone has learned that lesson, it's Kyle Shanahan.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, And I definitely don't think that he lets up if they happen to build a lead. And I know you mentioned the Chiefs kind of coming back from two early deficits the last two games against the Texans and the Titans. However, I don't think that they um, were anywhere near the level of talented of, of a defense that the 49ers have. So I don't think that they'd be able to dig themselves out of a hole like that. If they happen to got to get into a situation against this team on Sunday. Um, I think the Niners are far too talented. They're far too, you know, the offense is going to play complimentary football in a way that the other two teams weren't able to do. And I just think that it's not going to be possible for them but I totally agree, Kyle Shanahan, um, he has that probably in the very, very front of his mind going into Sunday, that there's no way in hell he could be the coach remembered for giving up two big leads in the Super Bowl. So I think that he definitely keeps his foot on the gas, and you know, hopefully it works out well for the 49ers. Um, moving on to my next question, what do you think it is about Patrick Mahomes that makes him so Dangerous. um You know, like I said, last year he was the MVP. He's extremely, extremely talented. I don't think he's thrown an interception yet in this postseason. What allows him to be such an elite quarterback so early on in his career?
1: I think a lot of it has to do with having Andy Reid as his coach and coordinator. Well, you know, Andy recalls calls most of the plays outside of B enemy. But I mean, Andy Reid is a genius. He's one of the best coaches of all time, in my opinion, even if he hasn't won a Super Bowl. And his talent and his expertise when it comes to working with other quarterbacks is phenomenal. He got to have Mike Vick. He got to have Donovan McNabb. He worked wonders with Alex Smith and obviously now Patrick Mahomes. So you have this head coach who just just knows how to get the most out of his quarterbacks. And everyone knows that Patrick Mahomes is arguably the best quarterback he's ever had. And that's not to discredit Mahomes himself because when plays go out of script, when he's not rolling out, when he has to roll out because of pressure up the middle or just pressure period and he's making plays with his feet, you can't coach that in my opinion. I think that's just pure talent. That's pure talent and pure skill that very few quarterbacks in NFL history even have. And Mahomes is arguably one of those guys already. So it's a lot of natural talent. It's just a lot of God-gifted skill for Mahomes. And it's one of those things that just define who he is. Again, he's one of the best at creating plays with his feet. We saw it against the Titans when he rolled out to his right and hucked like a 60-yard bomb to Watkins on the run. That is unreal. That is absolutely unreal, and that's the type of stuff you don't see. So when you do see that stuff, all you can go is, man, Andy Reid didn't teach him that. I think Mahomes taught himself that. But it's those kind of things that I think that really, really makes a guy like Mahomes really special.
0: Yeah, he almost has that, like, Russell Wilson slash Aaron Rodgers version of, like, um, he can really, really get into backyard football really quickly. And he's he's pretty much lethal when it comes to that. And not only that, but, man, is he quick. I mean, he can really, really turn on the burners and just get out of there, you know, and take it 80 yards for a touchdown. I don't think that that's, you know, unheard of. We've seen it from him in the past. Um, He's extremely agile, and not only that, he's really, really smart. I mean, the guy has a really high football IQ. I remember when he was coming out of Texas Tech, um, watching the, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember, the quarterback camp with John Gruden before he was a coach, or before he returned to coaching, I should say, and he sat down with him, and man, he w- he just seemed like a very, very smart, football-savvy guy who just lives football. And it shows. I mean, I think that really translates into his early success so far. And, you know, just like you said, it's the perfect marriage with Andy Reid. He was able to sit for a little bit behind Alex Smith, a nice veteran, experienced quarterback. We know him well here in, in you know the Bay Area. So I think it just was the perfect marriage of all of these things that came together for Mahomes. And now he's able to be an elite quarterback and be talked about already as one of the greatest in the league currently. Not to mention, he's deadly accurate. Uh, he doesn't turn the ball over. I think I saw in the regular season, um, he was something like two interceptions on 352 pass attempts or something like that uh, going into December, if I'm correct. So, man, it's just a very, very tough, tough guy to defend. And, you know, he's just he's going to be a handful for the 49ers defense on Sunday. Um, Anthony, there are definitely some... Weird parallels going on between this year and the 49ers being in the Super Bowl And then the last time the 49ers won a Super Bowl in Miami um, you know um, A Shanahan is calling the plays. It's in Miami. Like I said, they're going up against a young hot quarterback um, future of the NFL type Explosive offense. Most people are saying that, you know, they can't keep up Do you think history is gonna come full circle again and the 49ers are going to take care of business? Or do you think it's going to be a different story this time? We don't have to get too into it because I know you got your, your final score predictions and everything. But isn't it kind of weird, the parallels between the two, two Super Bowls?
1: So David Lombardi in The Athletic came out with an article regarding how similar the 1994 Super Bowl run was to this current 2019 Super Bowl run is. And it was the top defense, fantastic offense going up against a really, really hot offense, if you will. I'm sorry, that was 81. Well, 94 too is still pretty shocking. But in any event, though, the parallels the parallels for the Super Bowl run are really similar, damn near to almost all of the Super Bowls they've been in. I mean, just like the Dolphins one where Dan Marino is the hot young quarterback who is supposed to be the next big thing. And, you know, he really was the next big thing because he played his ass off for his time with the Dolphins. But he got shut down. He played terrible. And who's their head coach Don Shula, you know Hall of Fame head coach they had, and yet here they are, they haven't won the Super Bowl, <laughs> and obviously his entire career they couldn't win the Super Bowl, so when it comes to something like this, I think the parallels are pretty eerie, but you know the '80s and '90s passing wise, I think was a lot different than today's passing standards. And not to knock those guys back then, but the offensive have the offenses have changed. The passing styles have changed. The quarterbacks have arguably changed. The head coaches have changed. And, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into it. But overall, I do think the parallels are really eerie. But I don't think they should necessarily help narrate this whole story, if you will. And I'm not saying that the Niners are going to lose because, you know, I think they're going to win. But to take a time period from the 80s and 90s and trying to put that up to... 2019 and the 20s now i, th- I think it's kind of tough to really try and put two and two together
0: yeah I, I i hear you on that but i actually think history has a weird way of repeating itself and it usually comes full circle and i just think that the way everything lines up is kind of it's too much to be just a coincidence um i don't know what exactly it means but i think it means something And, you know, usually just historically when it's a top defense going up against a top offense, you know, the top defense comes away successfully more often than not. So I just think that the 49ers have a lot going for them, including history. And that was just more so a cool little, you know, tidbit that I I found. And I know it's been talked about all season, but I didn't really want to bring it up until the 49ers were in the Super Bowl because I felt like it would have been some sort of jinx or something, but yeah, it's just it's just really cool to think about, you know, the history and how it could really come full circle on Sunday. Um, now, Anthony, like I said earlier, the, the Chiefs are known for a really, really elite quarterback and, you know, essentially track star, really good wide receivers. Um, how much will that speed of their wide receiver unit damage the 49ers secondary?
1: So, one thing that's actually kind of not annoyed me, but I think that's really got to me a little, is the fact that everyone is trying to say that the speed is going to be the biggest problem for the Niners. Well, I think having fast receivers is a problem for any defense, so it's a really drawn out narrative. But speed doesn't necessarily matter when you have corners and safeties and even linebackers who know how to play their zones, who know what to read on the play, who know what to look for, and ultimately just know how to play the game of football and know how to play defense. Look, the speed is a threat, don't get me wrong, but again, if you have guys who are technically smart, guys who know where to be and know what to do, it's the reason why I think Mahomes is going to throw two interceptions, maybe even more, is because you have guys like Sherman and Mosley and Tart and Ward and K1 Williams who who know what to do when the situation calls for it. It's what they've been training and practicing for all season. And just because you have this hot offense doesn't mean that the secondary and the defense are automatically going to falter. You know, you can have a good quarterback, but it still takes a lot to make the right play happen. And you have 11 guys on the opposite side of the field trying to make sure that play doesn't happen. And one thing that the Niners have been excellent at all season is limiting big plays, limiting teams to really get in a groove and get some kind of rhythm on offense all season. And the only time I think we've really seen it is the Saints game, the second Rams game, and the second half of the Packers game, which was pretty much garbage time. So you can't even really count that much. But the point being is that the Niners have been so good at holding teams to just three points or holding them to a touchdown and then holding them to that for a good amount of time. You know, Brian Ballinger called our offense the Anaconda offense because we suck the life out of teams. Well, I think the defense does that too. They have the solid pass rush, athletic linebackers, smart corners and safeties who know how to play the game. And as a whole, they're just dominating. They just really dominate and they know what to do. So, yes, Tyreek Hill and Kelsey and McCole Hardman are threats. But when you have guys who I think are mentally smarter than all of them on the field, I don't even think their their athletic traits matter, in my opinion.
0: Okay, I like that. Um, I saw Pro Football Focus tweeted out earlier in the week that, you know, the 49ers, all we've heard about is how, how are they going to handle this speedy Kansas City uh, offense. But, you know excluding the secondary right now they have you know i think three of the top 15 linebackers in coverage and i think i talked about this in the last episode but they have fred warner quan alexander and drake greenlaw all nine tenth and fourteenth uh, respectively in coverage grades and you know each with 30 targets plus so it's just they have really really good linebackers that are in coverage and not only that you know the secondary is led by richard sherman who has one of the best, you know, ratings. And I think the fewest completions allowed if I'm, yeah, here it is right here. Per, for, per uh, excuse me, per, per pro football focus uh, only allowed the San Francisco 49ers defenses uh, as a whole have only allowed 10 completions, 20 yards down the field all year. So it really is going to be strength going up against strength. Um, but I think, you know, I think we mentioned it before those qu- uh, long routes, take some time to develop and it's kind of hard getting those you know 5 6 second dropbacks for Mahomes when you're going up against a defensive line as talented as the 49ers who's you know gets home in usually 3 seconds or less 4 seconds tops so i think it's really going to be strength against strength like i said and a battle of you know just the best and i think that might be one of the the main factors that dictates the outcome of this game is whether or not the 49ers can win the battle in the secondary and in, in the coverage underneath. So that's going to be a big one to watch. Um, speaking of you know the defensive line, I feel like all I've been hearing this week and last week is another strength on strength. Is that, oh, the 49ers have a really, really good defensive line. But don't sleep on the Chiefs' offensive line. Um, it's going to be another strength on strength battle. Is that true? Um, do you think... The the, the, no team really has the advantage in the trenches?
1: So, our good friend Scott from Niners Nation, and obviously doing some stuff with nothing but Niners, he brought up a good point that the Chiefs' O-line has provided Mahomes with a lot of help because of guys like Kelsey and I think Demetrius Robinson, the other tight end, and these guys on the running backs, they they chip and they chip and they chip and they give those tackles so much help. And... The Chiefs have had to play good defensive lines. I mean, the Titans' line is no pushover, in my opinion. The Texans got J.J. Watt back, who is very strong, even after tearing his pick. It's still really solid. But here's Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher, who get a lot of help from Kelsey and those running backs who they chip the edge player, so they knock them off their rush route and really just throw off their timing, and it makes it a lot easier for the tackles to block. And so when that happens... It gives the tackles more time to block. It gives the interior more time to double their man and really lock that down. And it gives Mahomes a ton of time to throw in the pocket. And Nick Bosa and myself included and a lot of other people think the chip block is kind of, it's kind of lame. I mean, if Bosa tears his ACL or if something happens to guys like Chandler Jones or Aaron Donald or J.J. Watt, because of a chip block where something serious happens, it would change the entire league, in my opinion. So I think the chip blocks are kind of garbage. But in any event, though, it's those kind of things that really buy Mahomes and that Chiefs offensive line more time. And I think Kosierik and Sala and our defensive line, and even the linebackers when they're blitzing, should be able to adjust to that in some way. Although I think it will be harder to do that more often than not considering how much they do it. But to say that the offensive line can go head-to-head with the defensive line, nah, I don't think so. I do think Mitchell Schwartz is good outside of him getting help from chip blocks. But overall, Fisher, Laurent, Duvarne, Tardif, uh, Ryder, I think is a center, and I forget the other guard. Uh, oh, Stefan Wisniewski. You know, outside of Schwartz, again, all those guys I said I think are incredibly overrated. They can lose their one-on-one matchups easily, in my opinion. And when you gotta go up against Bosa, Ford, Armstead, Buckner, Solomon Thomas, <laughs> Anthony Zettel, you know, it's a mess. It makes their their jobs living hell. And I think that's just going. That's I think that's just how it's gonna be in the Super Bowl. You know, you can only chip and block for that, for so long until those guys do have to actually get one-on-one matchups. And the moment they lose that matchup and they hit Mahomes or force Mahomes to throw a pick, it's game over in my opinion. I think it's really game over. So to say that they go head-to-head, man, nah, I I disagree with it. I really, really disagree 100%. Yeah,
0: I I actually, um, when I first heard that going back to last week, I'm not going to lie, I hadn't been too focused on the Chiefs this year. So I was kind of thinking, oh, you know, is, is their offensive line really that talented? And have they really been playing that well? And, you know, like you said, Scott Geelan went into it, and he kind of broke it down in our group chat. And it was just kind of like, man, these guys were getting worked all year. And I know the stat sheet doesn't really show it, but Nick, brothers, uh, Nick Bosa's big brother, Joey, in uh, L.A., kind of was giving them the work as well. Um, he wasn't getting home on a lot, but, man, he was just bullying them, it seemed like. Um, and I saw Brandon Thorne of The Athletic in Denver tweeted out, the two biggest mismatches in the trenches in the Super Bowl are right next to each other, Bosa versus Fisher and Buckner versus Wisniewski. So I think that the 49ers definitely have uh, the advantage in the trenches. And I, don't, I didn't understand, after kind of doing my research, looking into it a little bit more, um listening to the experts who know a lot more about trench and offensive line defensive line play than I do why it was being touted as this another strength on strength matchup for any other reason than just trying to hype up the game when we know that's you know not really true so I just thought that that was funny because it doesn't really seem you know on first glance maybe but like you said Mahomes is really helping out his offensive line as they are helping him out but You know, I think his his deadly accuracy, his quick strikes, uh, his mobility, pocket presence, that makes an offensive line look a lot better than they actually are. And not to mention, they haven't really been playing against the top of the top when it comes to defenses. So that's going to be definitely tested come Sunday. Um, Now, sticking with the 49ers defense, is there one defensive player for the 49ers that you think needs to have a big day in order for this team to succeed?
1: Not going to lie, I've been thinking about this a lot all day, and there's so many defensive guys who who really need to step up, and they will, but in my opinion, it's not a defensive lineman, it's not a linebacker, it's one of the corners, and it's not Sherman, and it's not K-1. Dude, it's Emmanuel Mosley. They know what Sherman has and what he's capable of. He's one of the best corners in the league. He knows how to lock down his side of the field. If Mahomes throws a dumb throw or... Throws a questionable ball. Sherman is there to either pick it or break it up. So you avoid Sherman, who are you going to be looking at? Emmanuel Mosley. Emmanuel Mosley needs to have the game of his career. Better games in college, better games in this year, better games in Pop Warner football, dude. Mosley needs to ball out. And look, Mahomes and Reed, they're going to try to attack that. I really think so. Because again, they don't want to throw to Sherman's side. We've seen it happen all season. So what do you do? You go after the next quote, worst guy. And in that case, it's probably going to be Mosley. Mosley needs to be smart. He needs to be patient in zone coverage. He needs to stick to his man and man coverage. He can't let anyone beat him over the top because that's what the Chiefs' offense really relies on is either big shot plays over the top or big plays up in the middle. And Again, Mosley can't lose those battles. He just can't. If he does, I won't be surprised, but I don't want to see him lose those battles on a consistent basis. If he could be a force, that's to not to reckon with, but if he could be even half as strong as how Sherman is, and I think he has that capability. He's shown it. But if he can really get to that level of play in this game, the Chiefs are going to have a really hard time throwing the ball. And you can't overlook Mosley either because what no one really talks about is how well Mosley has been playing. other Obviously outside of the Irish fans. So if the Chiefs don't understand that, if Mahomes doesn't see that, if he sees that Mosley is playing strong or is playing weak, I think it could really make or break this game. And it sounds silly, but everyone needs to be on the same page. And if Mosley is out there, not slacking, but if he's messing up assignments, it's going to be a tough day for the defense as a whole, in my opinion.
0: Okay. I like that answer. Um, I definitely think, You know, the secondary needs to have a strong day. For me, I think I'm going to go with Nick Bosa. And that's strictly due to the fact that if Nick Bosa has a big day, then that kind of implies Patrick Mahomes isn't going to have as big of a day. um, And it'll be keeping him in check, likely getting him off the field on third downs, uh, you know, kicking him out of field goal range, whatever the case may be. I think if he has a big day career day even um a day where you know you can kind of just put on the whole nfl and the world on notice that you are in the nfl you are one of the best um it wasn't a, your rookie season wasn't a fluke i think the 49ers would have a um, even greater shot at winning this game comfortably if nick bosa kind of runs away with his assignments now last question here uh regarding the 49ers defense chiefs offense before we move into the other side of the ball. All we've talked about so far is the Chiefs passing game.
1: Are we overlooking their running game? Nah, I I'm gonna keep this short, dude. No. Another podcast I was listening to, to listening to today, excuse me, was like, oh, Damian Williams has all the tangibles to be a good runner. They just don't call his name upon him. Well, if they're going to say that about Williams, more people need to say the same thing about Garoppolo because Garoppolo hasn't thrown and he hasn't thrown much, so therefore he can't throw. And look, any runner can run the ball well if the play is right, if the offensive line blocks right, if the running back recognizes the hole and whatnot. And I don't think Damian Williams is that kind of running back. He's a fantastic pass catcher, he's very good at passing catching passes out of the backfield or even running a route if he has to but when it comes to running the ball the Chiefs offensive line has struggled at run blocking and he in general just has struggled at running the ball so this entire postseason for example Patrick Mahomes leads the team in rushing yards and I know the Chiefs offense isn't really predicated on running the ball but when his opportunities have been there to run Damian Williams has struggled he has absolutely struggled, and I think that speaks a lot to about why they don't run the ball, obviously outside of homes. So when you have, I guess, a problem like that, if you will, it really speaks volumes about what the Chiefs think of the run game. So overall, I think Damian Williams will have a bigger impact on third down than he will in obvious run pass run running situations, if you will. So I I mean you know, I I say don't overlook anyone, but when it comes to someone like Damian Williams, I would say be ready for him on third down. But if they're not passing and they're running and it's Damian Williams that's running, I think the defense the defense can get to him pretty easy.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree with you. No, nobody's looking. No, uh, excuse me, nobody's overlooking the Chiefs' running game. Um, you know, the guy Damian Williams has. I think I think he top five hundred yards on the season, um, and you know it's just it's not scaring anybody it's not keeping any defenses up at night um i think he's averaging like four and a half yards per carry you know it, it, it there it's all right numbers but i just don't think that against this defense like i've said in previous answers they weren't going up against great defenses as it as it was so i don't think that um it's gonna be something that's gonna you know gash the 49ers for 200 250 yards rushing. I don't see that happening at all, especially just the style of of offense that the Chiefs play. It it doesn't seem to fit in. Now, moving over to the other side of the ball, um, all we keep hearing, sticking with the running game, but the 49ers, is that they're not going to be able to run the ball like they did the last two weeks. Do you think that the Kansas City Chiefs' run defense is that much better than Minnesota and Green Bay's?
1: Another short answer, bro, but no, no, and no. Although they contained the Texans' run game, even though the Texans don't really run the ball that well, and they they did contain the Titans, I will give them that much, but it's because the Titans got down so much that they had to step out of their game script. Derrick Henry, 19 carries, 69 yards, one touchdown. It's a really modest line, but what Henry was coming off of, you would have thought he would have done a lot better. But, again, game script was a lot of the reason why the Titans had to pass the ball so much because they were down by 14, you know, six minutes into the third quarter. And that that plays a huge factor into how the Chiefs play. But overall in the season, the Chiefs have the 29th ranked run defense via Football Outsiders' as DVOA. It, you know, this game screams, run the damn ball. And... The thing about the Chiefs' defense as a whole is that it's not good. They have good playmakers. They have guys who can make some noise like Terran Matthew, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, um, Tano Capacino, I think. But it's those guys who can make or break the game for the team. But the rest of the guys on their defense are subpar or below average at best. The linebackers, Reggie Raglan, Anthony Hitchens, the corners, Charvarius Ward, uh, Kyle Fuller, who I think is playing safety. Bashad Breland, you know, these guys have, they're, they're average and they have been exploited at times throughout the season more often than not. And if Kyle Shanahan wants to pass and wants to exploit that weakness, he can. But honestly, Zach, if I was Shanahan and obviously if I was as smart as him, dude, I'd be licking my chops at this matchup. The linebackers are very bad in coverage. The Chiefs' run defense is awful. The secondary is not good in coverage as well. Everything screams to this being Shanahan's, I guess, best game of the year, if you will. Like, really, his super big coming-out party, obviously, because of the Super Bowl. And it's just something you really got to look at. I, you know, I, again, we got to talk about how you shouldn't count anyone or anything out. But when the, when the statistics prove that the Chiefs' defense, especially their run defense, has been bad all season, I think that carries a lot of weight and... And it just plays into the Niners' favor immensely, dude. It plays into the, you know, it could be a big part into making or breaking the Niners winning and losing this game. And if they're going to run the ball like they did against the Vikings and Green Bay, I think the Niners have a really good shot at winning, period.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I think if I'm not mistaken, I don't have the stat here in front of me, but that um, Green Bay was like the 2026th running defense and the Chiefs, at least in the regular season, were like the 29th-ranked running defense. So, ugh, I mean, it's not looking good for them. And I know a lot of Chiefs fans have been touting on Twitter all, all week, all two weeks, I should say. Well, we stopped Derrick Henry, arguably the best running back in the postseason, blah, blah, blah. I don't think necessarily they stopped Derrick Henry as much as the Titans' offense stopped Derrick Henry, uh, like you said, they had to get rid of it because they were, they fell behind. They weren't going to come back, you know, by running the ball. They felt that they needed to score quickly, so they started passing the ball. They got away from the run. I think he was close to like 80, 90 yards in the first half as it was. So he was primed for another big day had things gone, you know, the way that they were going. Um, I don't think that the 49ers are a similar running style team to the Titans, obviously. And I mean that in the sense that. If you stop, you know, quote-unquote, there, Derrick Henry, say Raheem Mostert, okay, then we, we we plug in Tevin Coleman. You stop Tevin Coleman, then you plug in, you know, Matt Breida. Like, there's so many different styles of runners on this team, and not only that, but there's so many different running plays and running formations that Kyle Shanahan calls that he just knows how to gash you, he knows how to um, attack and, you know, he, he gets so creative with it where, you know, tight ends, Debo Samuel, uh, Kyle Juszczyk, you don't know who it's going to come from and what position, excuse me, what position, what formation. So I just don't think that the Kansas City Chiefs have that good of a shot at stopping the 49ers run game. And I definitely don't think they have more of a shot than Green Bay or Minnesota. And I just want to say right now, I hope they run at Frank Clark, and I hope they run at his mouth every single play and shut his ass up early and often. Because man, I can't stand that guy. I haven't been able to stand him since he was in Seattle, and I don't really understand all of his shit talking. Essentially, there's no other way to put it. Because I mean, he hasn't he hasn't really done much. So it's like you know, be humble, man. Earn earn your keep. Um. Now. Speaking of the running backs, who do you think will be the 49ers' main featured back on Sunday?
1: Man, Zach, I really hope it's Coleman. (laughs) I really, really do. And, or not not Coleman, I'm lying, I'm sorry. Mostert. I really wish it's Mostert. I like Coleman a lot. I think Coleman has a ton to offer, and we saw it in the Vikings game. But, bro, he like damn near broke his shoulder. (laughs) He like damn near broke his shoulder, and I just... I don't want to see anything happen to him again, that this location was kind of blah. And I was like, ooh, ooh, ow, ooh, ow, ow. But in any event, though, dude, Mostert should get the ball. I mean, he's fast, he's quick, he's strong. He doesn't even try to break tackles, dude. He's just so fast and so elusive that he just runs right through arm tackles. And it's really impressive but he's the hottest running back on the team. He closed out the season as the hottest running back on the team, not even including the playoffs or the, uh, yeah, not even including the playoffs, the regular season also. Mostert just deserves his shot. He's been going through this struggle all, all his career where he's been cut by what, six different teams. The Niners were his seventh team. And here he is. He's one win away from being a Super Bowl champion. He's worked his ass off to get to this situation to where he is now. And, you know, you see Garoppolo and these guys talk about winning it for Staley, but man, dude, win it for Mostert too, because he's been there, he's been through the struggle, and he just deserves it just as much as any other player, but especially him for coming into a really good situation where he can take advantage of every opportunity given in front of him, and he just runs away with it, figuratively and literally. So you gotta give credit to Mostert, man, but I like Coleman, I want Coleman to be okay. You know I still wish Jeff Wilson Jr. would get at least one carry this game, but he won't be active. he probably won't be active, unfortunately. So feed Mostert, man. Give Mostert the ball. Most Mosterati, as Robinson would call him. Mosterati, man. Two hundred plus yards. Gimme the ball game.
0: <laughs> man, I love it. Um I, I definitely could see Mostert being the featured back, especially, you know, how he's performed the last game I know he didn't he didn't play too much in the Vikings game but that was because he was injured but I, I actually as much as I want it to be Mostert I think he's gonna go back to Coleman um and the reason I think that is because last week or I keep seeing last week this two-week stretch is throwing me off the last game against the Packers Coleman was the early hot hand Um, I want to say he was averaging like four to five yards carry before he got injured and it looked like he was primed for a big day against the Packers um, before he he dislocated his shoulder. So I actually think that he's going to go back to Coleman and use Mostert to kind of spell him. But, you know, it really could be either way and I don't think it makes much of a a difference. I think it really, you know, depends on which style is going to be most effective against the Chiefs defense and you know, you could, you'll, they'll see when they get there on Sunday. But, I mean, it's really pick your poison because both of these guys can do it and both of these guys can get the job done, you know, in in a really, really effective way for the 49ers. Now, we've heard all of the talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, all of the talk about how Kyle Shanahan doesn't trust him, how he's overpaid, overhyped, whatever you want to call it. What type of day does Jimmy Garoppolo need to have on Sunday in order for the Niners to win.
1: I forget what Nick Wright said in his uh his little TV show like a few days ago or maybe a week ago. But the one thing I I did take away from that was that he said that Garoppolo is gonna need to have like an 18 for 25 game. And that's the only thing I took away from it where I was like, wow, I actually think I agree with that. And I don't think it's going to be the type of game where Garoppolo needs to throw 30 plus times if they can't run the ball, or even if they run the ball and they need to throw 30 plus times, fine. But I do think it's going to be one of those games where Garoppolo needs to have a... Uh... Not a game managing type game, but a game where he needs to be ready to make a play and make a throw on third down. Because I think in this game, the Niners are going to run the ball well, but there are going to be a ton of times where the Niners need to throw on third down. And even if it's third and short or third and three or third and four, the Niners, I think, are going to throw it more often than not and really catch the Chiefs off guard. So Garoppolo needs to be ready. I really do. If he has to throw 40 plus times, that's fine. I think he can do it. He's proven he could do it. And if it comes down to it in this game, he can do it. But overall, though, I think Garoppolo will need to have like a 21 for 27, 18 for 25 type game. You know, I think he'll need two or three passing touchdowns. I'm not going to lie. You know, two or three passing touchdowns. I wouldn't be surprised if he throws a pick, but. He's been to the Super Bowl twice. Even I don't care if he's been there as a backup. The point being is that he's been there. He's been with the Super Bowl winning coaching staff, Super Bowl winning players who know what that's like. Garoppolo knows what this environment and knows what this feeling is like. I really don't think he's going to have the jitters. I think Garoppolo is going to be more fearless and this is obviously something you can't really measure, but I think he's going to go up there, and I think he's going to face the task and face the challenge better than Mahomes and better than Reed. I really do. Shanahan doesn't want to lose this game. He doesn't want to blow a lead. He's come back from that huge 28-3 deficit, and, and he's not going to let this one slip. I really don't think so, and it starts with Jimmy Garoppolo. It starts with Jimmy G having an efficient and effective day and I think he's going to do that. I think that's the type of day he needs to be, or type of day he needs to have, efficient and effective. Okay,
0: I like that. Um, you know, I the the I think what I really liked what you said there is that he's been there twice, and although he wasn't there as a starter, he still was there. He was still a part of the team, and I think most importantly, he saw one of the greatest in Tom Brady get it John get it done firsthand um he was there he witnessed it he he was a part of it he felt the energy he felt the vibes um and he saw him do it so i really think that's extremely extremely you know influential on him his mentality uh, i think you've seen it in the whole you know media week leading up to the 49ers you know game on sunday at the super bowl he's been extremely calm and it's kind of been his demeanor all year um, I know uh, Excuse me, Chris Sims likes to say he's a meathead uh, in the sense that he's not going to be too intellectual. He's not going to be too overthinking things. He's not going to be, you know, analyzing things too much and kind of get caught up in his own head. I think he's the perfect quarterback because he doesn't really get caught up in the moment. He knows, you know, he, he treats it truly like one down at a time. No different than any other game. Let's go in there and do our jobs. And I think that that's why he's had so much success um, with the 49ers because all of that just kind of factors in perfectly. And then you, you know, match that with a guy who's a cerebral, extremely, you know, uh, just innovative play caller in Kyle Shanahan. And I think it's just the perfect match. Um, As far as my initial question as to what type of game he needs to have. In order for the 49ers to win i i actually agree with you i don't think he needs to oh gosh that means i agree with nick right but um i don't think he needs to have a 30 for 45 game you know 400 yards i don't think that that's necessary i think the 49ers have proved that they could win um with him just kind of getting the job done but not you know going out of his way not having a career day i don't think that that's necessary at all um, if you look at Tom Brady's, you know, early Super Bowls in his, his career, he was going up against, uh, excuse me, he had a really, really good defense and a strong running game because, excuse me, not because, and that really allowed him to succeed, that allowed him to win. I think he had like, I don't know, something like 180 yards, a touchdown, a pick, Um, my computer's not pulling it up right now i had the stat but it refreshed but i just think that he garoppolo can follow that blueprint and i think that he won't need to throw it 30 45 times like i said and i really think he could have 18 for you know even 18 for 30 190 yards you know i think he'll probably have two touchdowns and you know he could even throw an interception i i, I think that he's gonna have turnover free game and that's I pause there because I think I've only predicted that uh, correctly once this season when I've said that but I really really do think that Kyle Shanahan is going to go out there and the, the sort of plays that he's going to call especially early on you know easy accurate high percentage throws to get his confidence going I think it's just gonna you know allow him to have a really good game, a really accurate, efficient game, I think is what I'm I'm trying to get at here. Now, I know I said that I don't think he needs to have a big game, but what do you think? Do you think that the 49ers can win with him passing under 200 yards?
1: It sounds kind of crazy, but yeah, I do, and here's why. There's been games this season where the Niners have picked the ball off a couple times. I think they might have picked Kyler Murray once, picked Russell Wilson, Kyle Allen, you know, I know it sounds kind of silly, but the point being is that they've been able to intercept quarterbacks. It's happened all season. You heard me earlier. I think it's going to happen in this game too. But it's one of those things where if the Niners can get turnovers, if they can make the Chiefs turn over the ball and the Niners can run the hell out of the ball and just drive up the field on the run like they did against the Vikings and Packers where they ran, what, 16 straight run plays, they can do that against the Chiefs. The one thing the run does against defenses, and it's been proven, is it tires them the fuck out. It really does. And the game goes on. The game wears on players fast. And once it's the third, fourth quarter even, and the Niners have already ran the ball 30 plus times, it's going to kill that defense. And it's going to make it a lot harder for them to really stop the run. And if that's the case, if that's what game script is calling for, Garoppolo doesn't need to throw for 200 yards. He hasn't thrown for 200 yards against the Vikings. He didn't do it against the Packers. And again... A barometer that people use in the NFL and in the media, which I don't understand, is if you have a team that passes the hell out of the ball like the Chiefs do, then the other team needs to pass the ball as much also. And and I don't get it. I think this is going to be one of those games where the Niners break that narrative. If the Chiefs if the Chiefs pass for three hundred plus passing yards, fine, I get it. But That happened against the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, and look what the Niners did. They still ran the ball a ton. Even if the Packers were coming back in the second half, it didn't matter. The Niners still ran the ball so much, and I can see that totally happening with this game as well, and look, Garoppolo is going to need to make the throws he needs to make, but if Shanahan doesn't need to put him in any type of high leverage situation, then that's fine. So be it. If the run is dominating, and it's going to be like the Packers game... Keep keep that same mindset. Keep that same plan, man. Just just let it ride. I really think that the Niners can really roll with that kind of that kind of game, if you will. If Garoppolo does pass for under two hundred yards, that's fine. But again, the difference too in this type in this type of game is that to do that, they need to one get some damn turnovers and two already have the run established. And if they can do both of those things, they can make Garoppolo's day a whole lot easier.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Like I said, um, you know, my my answer before, I don't think it's needed. And I think that they need to play bully ball. They need to play keep away. And they really, really need uh, their running game to show up. And if all of those things happen and, you know, like you said, get a turnover or two, throw that in there. I think that not a lot is needed from Garoppolo. Would I like to see him have a big day? Of course. I would love for him to come out, have 300 yards passing, three touchdowns, you know, a hundred plus quarterback rating, but it's just not necessary. And I don't think that, um, it, it, I don't think that Kyle wants that for this team to win because then that means that other things are going wrong. And that's not an indictment on Garoppolo or, or, you know, any sort of derogatory marks against him. He's, you know, it's no secret. A Shanahan offense is a run first offense. Um, so I just think that, you know, it's not necessary. And for the record, I finally got Tom Brady's first Super Bowl stats um, against the Rams where they won with the last second field goal he was 16 for 27 with 145 yards in one touchdown so I don't think that it's necessary for Jimmy Garoppolo to have anything more than that because the teams are pretty similar you know like I said strong defense really really top defense a really strong power running game so just just something to keep an eye on something to mention um now which receiver needs to have or excuse me which receiver has the best matchup against this kansas city secondary and linebackers you can include tight ends
1: well you know what dude i'm still gonna roll with debo samuel he's the best rack runner on the team yak runner if you will he knows he, he just knows. He runs like a running back and he's not afraid to bowl people over, he's not afraid to throw a stiff arm, he's not afraid to win contested catches, he can do it all. He's literally like a like a mini version of Anquan Bolden and everyone sees it and it's actually really astonishing to see that take place. But if anyone's going to have a big day against this Chiefs soft defense, if you will, I think it's Debo. Emmanuel Sanders is so technically smart and technically sound, but he doesn't have that top-end speed that he used to, and I think that'll give the Chiefs' secondary a little bit more of an advantage. But overall, though, it's not going to impact Sanders much at all. As for Debo, dude... Man, Debo's going to fly out there in the field. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Debo end-arounds. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Debo goes, obviously Debo slants, Debo ins and outs and comebacks and curls, and the entire route tree. Hell, I wouldn't even be surprised if Debo Samuel throws a pass, dude. This is going to be the type of game to do it. But overall, Debo's going to be my man, Zach. I think Debo has everything it takes to exploit this Chiefs defense. He has the speed. He has the size. He has the physicality. And the Chiefs' defense hasn't had to play, a, in my opinion, a good passing offense. Sure, they got blasted by the Texans in the first quarter, but look what they did to the Texans the rest of the the rest of the game. They sh- damn near shut them out. So, can the Chiefs' defense do that against the Niners for four quarters? No, I I don't think so. And throughout this four quarters, the one player who I think is going to have the biggest game out of all the pass catchers, I think it's going to be Debo, man. I'm going to throw my name out there for Debo.
0: Okay, I like that. Um, he's definitely made a name for himself, uh, especially in the second half of the season and in the playoffs when he has had the ball. He's been you know, a total bully with it, and he's, he's a grown man out there, man. I know he's a rookie, but he's really, really playing hard. And I could see that. I definitely can see that. I actually am going to go with Emmanuel Sanders. And, you know, there's a lot to like about Emmanuel Sanders in this game. He's, you know, an ex- experienced veteran who's been there, played in two Super Bowls. But I think that the thing that I like the most is that he he's so, you know, so f- smart when it comes to football and just route running. I think he's obviously the best route runner the 49ers have on offense or obviously on offense but on the team and I just think that he knows where he can find these soft spots in the Kansas City defense and not only that but man is he just so clutch uh whenever you know a tough catch needs to be made whenever you know a hard hit needs to go across the middle, it doesn't matter it seems like he's always willing to come through and you know they were talking to him during uh media week this this past week and he was saying how much All he wants to do is go out there and give it all for this team because he really, really, really appreciates what they've done for him and brought him on, you know, later on in his career. And not only that, but he really wants to help Jimmy get one because that's how much he respects Jimmy as his quarterback. So I I really appreciated that. And I really, really like his matchups. I think that he's going to be able to have a big day if the 49ers, you know, if the passing game is heavily involved. So I, I, li- I like Emmanuel Sanders. But don't sleep on George Kittle. Obviously, that goes without saying. I think George Kittle could have a monster day as well. And I know I'm kind of cheating because I picked two answers there, but don't kill me. Um, now, we've heard a lot about Andy Reid, how um, you know he's the better coach. And I feel like a lot of that is with an asterisk, and a lot of people like to stipulate that by saying, because of his experience, you know, because he's played for so long and he's always had so much success and he's been in the Super Bowl before. um, Do you really think that Andy Reid is the better coach and has the advantage in this game, Um, even though it seems like Kyle has been putting on offensive clinics all year?
1: You know, after thinking about my answer, I think that Andy Reid does not have the advantage. And here's the only reason why. Kyle Shanahan has proven and come through a lot more adversity this season, and I don't really care about the past too much. I really don't. Obviously, when Shanahan talks about a 28-3 lead and his mindset on that, I think that's huge, but overall, I don't care about the past because we're focused on the now, and Shanahan has had to go through a lot of adversity, man. They lost both tackles. They lost Kittle for some time. They lost Yushek for some time. Um, God, who else? D Ford missed a lot of time. Boso was hurt at the beginning of the season. Ronald Blair tours ACL. Quan Alexander tours. His- I can go on. But the point being, though, is that. I think this is a game that comes down to grit and grind and who's been through the most and who who can take on any kind of adversity. And I really think it belongs to Shanahan and the Diners, man. It's one of those things where, like, if Shanahan doesn't win Coach of the Year, dude, we absolutely riot because he, he has been through so much as a head coach this season and his past. But overall, though, I got to give it to Shanahan. Look, Andy Reid has lost a Super Bowl with a very good team. He has lost championship rounds with a very good team. He has lost divisional games with a very good team. And his resume just proves that he can't win the big game. He can get to this level, he can get to this, this stage, if you will, but he still has yet to win it. Obviously Shanahan hasn't won it either, but he wasn't the head coach, so I'll give him that exception. But overall, though, the point being about Reed is that Reed hasn't come through. Reed has not won it for his team when he's had all the pieces to get the job done, and the thing is, is that I th- I think overall, if you look at two both rosters, the Niners clearly have the better balanced roster. The only difference is that Reed has the quarterback. Now this game is going to come down to can Reed coach well enough to keep them in the game and exploit whatever weaknesses the Niners have, and just overall coach a balanced game. And I don't know if he could do that. And that's because of how balanced and how straight-up strong the Niners are. And that's such a big advantage. It, it It's a big advantage when you have one team that is entirely balanced and even, just about, and another team that is very, very one-sided, if you will, via the Chiefs' is passing offense, and arguably their pass rush, and that's about it. So the level of consistency between the two teams, I think, are very different, and when it comes to this game, when it comes to who's going to win, just like we talked about with the parallels of the previous teams, Zach, the balanced and consistent team will win, and I think i got to give it to the Niners, man. And again, Reed hasn't done it reed has the quarterback but he doesn't have the pieces and i don't think his coaching prowess will be good enough to to overmatch a team that's just simply better than his
0: yeah i i don't disagree with you there and you can call us biased you can call us whatever you want but i just don't think that andy reed is the gets the you know kind of by by default is the winner here because of his experience and um, I don't think that that's the case. I think Kyle Shanahan right now, if you had to pick one person for one game to call your plays, I don't. I think you'd be foolish to not pick Kyle Shanahan. And you know, we've we've had a lot of talk about Mike Shanahan in his ear. You know, give that as much weight as you want, but I think that there is some truth to that. And I think that with two weeks to prepare for this game, he's probably collaborating with his dad, getting this offensive game plan down you know, a hundred percent to his, 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 you know, likings. And I just think that the 49ers have the coaching advantage in this game overall. And, you know, he's got some really, really good guys helping him. you know, with his run game coordinator and his pass game, you know, uh, I think it's Mike LaFleur and Mike McDaniels. So I just think that the 49ers right now have one of the best coaching staffs in the NFL. And I think that, you know, there's proof to back that up when, even you know when Kyle Shanahan's in his first and second year here when they were finishing in the bottom of the league and teams were still trying to poach off of their their staff so it's like obviously they're doing something right hiring these guys or else none of these other teams would want them because they'd say oh no that that team's trash so like I said in, in, in kind of the question he's been putting on a clinic all year offensively it seems like you know the media all of these uh, just kind of Film guys marvel at what he does week in and week out. So I got to give the advantage to Kyle Shanahan. I just have to. Um, Wrapping it up here, Anthony, is there anything you want to talk about about the Super Bowl? This is our last podcast before the Super Bowl. Um, Before we get into our predictions and MVP predictions, is there anything you want to talk about? Any points? Any questions?
1: I'm just really excited. I really am. I cannot believe... We are going to do this podcast, and we're literally talking about the Niners being in the Super Bowl. And a lot of people knew that this team was a lot better on paper and a lot better coaching wise than people thought after last season, but the fact that a Super Bowl team was able to get a premier edge player with the second overall pick one season and then be in the Super Bowl the next is absolutely unfair, man. I'm I'm just really excited. I really am. This team has gone through a lot of adversity. They've gone through a lot of shit in my opinion to get to where they are now. A lot of critics blasting them all season, a lot of critics nailing them in the playoffs as well, whether it's questioning Garoppolo or whether it's questioning Shanahan or the run game or the pass game or the defense and overlooking the team as a whole and just shooting to oh Mahomes is going to be too much to stop. Mahomes this, Mahomes that. That's all it is. That's all I hear, bro. And it's aggravating. It really is. So I'm just happy that the Niners are going to play this game and that they're really going to just really give the Chiefs hell, dude. I think the Niners are going to give the Chiefs one hell of a bad day. And at the end, the Niners are going to finish Super Bowl champs, man. And screw the bias. Obviously, it's a Niners podcast. But I'm really excited, man. I'm just really, really, really excited for this game.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree 100% and I think what I kind of want to get out the most is how proud we are of this team. They've overcome so much to get to this point and, you know, facing all the doubters, all the naysayers. I mean, going into into Sunday, they're still not favored to win. Even though like I said to begin the, this episode, they score more points than the Chiefs and their defense gives up half the amount that the Chiefs gives up. And yet they're still not favored to win. So there's just so much that this team has gone through to get here. And you could say that about any team that makes it through the Super Bowl. But just looking back on this season and in the years past, I can't remember the last time a team went from having the second overall pick to the Super Bowl in the very next year. So it's just really something to kind of sit back and just say, damn, This team is really doing it. This team is really talented uh, on so many levels and it's just it's really something to marvel at and like you said I am extremely confident going into Sunday just like I've been confident going into the last you know eight nine weeks or so once we really found out who this team was Um, and you know I have extreme confidence in this team. I know they're going to get it done. I know we're going to have that sixth ring and man I'm just so excited for it to finally happen. Um, and that's not be, be me being cocky or you know trying to you know jinx the team or anything. I'm just super confident in them. They work hard. They haven't been the ones talking shit from media week. It seems like I think Adam Schefter. I forget who shared it in the group chat today. Adam Schefter was talking about how he just you know spoke with the Chiefs and he was in their locker room or whatever it was. He was with the team, and he seems like he said that it seems like they feel like they've already won. That they're already you know they should be crowned. Essentially, they shouldn't even play the game because the Chiefs won it already. And I don't feel like that's how the 49ers players are approaching this game. And I think that's why I'm, I'm, I'm as confident as I am. So with that, guys, we're going to do our predictions and we're going to wrap it up here. I just want to say if you guys are listening in on, on iTunes, please do us a huge favor and leave a review. We'd really appreciate that. We we read all of them and we appreciate all of you guys who have already taken the time out of your day to leave a review. Um, and... Thank you guys for tuning in. This has been our first season doing Red Gold Standard podcast and you know the the reception that we've gotten has been has been fantastic. We're super grateful for that. So thank you guys. We're not going to go anywhere. We're still be here even in the off season. Don't worry about that. But I just wanted to take this time to say thank you and you know really voice how how grateful we are. Uh Anthony, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first?
1: Go for it, man. I'm going to save mine for the best or save mine for the last.
0: all right um okay i think uh i've been putting a lot of thought into this and the last two games i think i was off by a few points and i wanted to say i'm gonna i was thinking 31 17 49ers but i don't think that that's gonna be it i'm actually i think i'm gonna go with 31 21 still 49ers win this game um, I think that the MVP I'm going out on a bold take here I, I heard this on ESPN and I don't know if it's 100% true per them no tight end has ever won Super Bowl MVP I think that it's going to happen on Sunday I think George Kittle is going to be the first tight end in NFL history to win Super Bowl MVP I think he's going to have a big game over hundred yards, a touchdown, and just some of those angry runs. Good Morning Football and NFL Network likes to talk about. Um, so, those are my predictions. I hope, I hope they come true. Anthony, what do you got for us?
1: All right. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give you the whole ass prediction because I'm really hyped to do this. So I'm gonna start an offense. Jimmy Garoppolo, man, I think you'll have a solid day. You heard me say earlier he'll need like an 18 to 25 type of game. I think he'll do that. I th- Well, I'll, I'll give him a little more. I think he'll go 22 of 29, 294 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. I think he'll have a clean day. Raheem Mostert, dude, I think he'll get the carries. I'm going <laughs> to say 18 carries, 164 yards, one touchdown. And then the top receiver, dude, Debo Samuel, give it to him, man. Seven catches, 112 yards, one touchdown. That's the guy right there. On defense, I'm, I'm sorry, this is a long breakdown, but, dude, I'm so hype. I'm really hype. I got to give it to the defense, man. I'll just do one person. Nick Bosa. I think Bosa will have himself a day. I think the defensive line will, but Bosa in particular. He'll be lined up over Eric Fisher. In my opinion, a very easy matchup if he's not getting chipped. I think Bosa will have a couple TFLs. I think he will have two and a half sacks, and fuck it, dude. I think he'll have a forced fumble also. Nick Bosa's going to have himself a day. I really do. But overall, if anyone's going to win the Super Bowl MVP outside of Garoppolo, I would love to see it be Nick Bosa, man. Give it to the defensive rookie. I don't know if a rookie has ever won the Super Bowl MVP, but in any event, give it to Bosa. I think Bosa have a career day, and I think the Niners – it's going to be a frustrating game in my opinion, but at the end, I think we can all say that the Niners won it pretty comfortably. I'm going to say Niners 34 chiefs, 24.
0: Damn. All right. I love the breakdown. Um, thanks for going into that in depth for us. That that's awesome, dude. I I hope these predictions come true and man, both the Super Bowl MVP. What a way to cap off a rookie year. If that were to happen, um, i just i'm so excited man i can't even contain my my excitement my words i feel like i've been stumbling this whole podcast but that's just because i'm so damn excited i can't believe it's finally here um and just what a season it's been anthony any final words before that we wrap up the last episode of the red and gold standard podcast of you know the last pre-game preview of the season
1: All I'm going to say, man, is that this season flew by, Zach. It was so much fun. I can't wait till we do the off-season stuff, too. It's going to be a lot of predicting pieces. It's going to be a lot of what we think, how we feel, maybe looking back on the season, reflecting on games, and so on and so forth, dude. So I think the off-season is going to be just as busy as it is right now. But my last words, guys... Thank you so much for listening and just, just stay tuned for more podcasts. Stay tuned for more articles. Be ready for it because you guys are going to get it. And we're really excited to put it out. So to close it out for myself, guys, follow me on Twitter, Perry underscore Forty ers That's P E R R Y underscore four nine E R S.
0: Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. And you know, it's been a pleasure hosting this podcast with you. It's been something that we had been, had in the talks for a while And I just want to thank you, my co host for getting this done with me. Couldn't have picked a better guy to do it with. And also, shout out to Stefan and Steve in the background getting things done for us. Making great graphics. Stefan, with it, you know, getting everything edited perfectly. Always on time. So, thank you guys to the whole team here. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Every episode, we really appreciate it. Um, With that, we're going to wrap it up here, guys. Go 49ers. Hopefully, we talk to you guys next after we have that sixth ring.